Hello and welcome to another episode of the Small Town Tourist Podcast where we experience and explore everything that makes small towns great. I'm your host, Abby, and today we are going to one of my favorite restaurants in the entire world. It is Jules Bistro in downtown St. Cloud. This is a place that is very near and dear to my heart. My relationship with Danella, the owner, has spanned many, many years now. We've stayed in touch from when I first started doing endorsements for her when I was on the radio, and she is just a wonderful human who runs an awesome restaurant. If you are ever in the St. Cloud area, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I'm so excited to have Danella on the podcast. When I first started the show and made a list of potential people to ask to be on the podcast, she was at the very tippy top of that list because like I said, Jules is one of my favorite places on the planet. So I really hope you enjoy our time hanging out with Danella from Jules Bistro on this week's episode of The Small Town Tourist. Okay, so basically what we're going to do is we're just going to chit-chat about jewels. All right. One of the best My places on this planet. Topic. Yeah. I love talking about jewels. So we start every podcast. I will have you give your name, where you're from, and what you do. Where I'm from from birth or where I'm from currently? Whichever one you want. All right. My name is Danella Westfall. I am from North Dakota originally, but I live in St. Cloud for the last 24 years, and I own Jules, or it owns me, one of the two. <laughs> Depends on the day, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> or the moment. So that's actually where we're recording right now. We are down in the basement of Jules in Janella's office here, which is, you think like basement office, it's probably a little dark, a little dingy, but you got it well lit in here, and there's some gorgeous art pieces on the wall as well. Yeah, this is one of my favorite places at Jules. It's very quiet down here, and it's very... Uh, secure. I just feel super comfortable down here. Now, my staff feel differently. They will tell you some stories. They think the place is haunted, but I I love being down here. feels very insulated. You know, I wouldn't knock the haunted thing totally. You are right next to the Paramount. Yeah, well, I think they like me. I I'm, I feel very comfortable. I never ever have weird feelings or worry when I'm down here. I just feel uh, safe, protected. I'm very connected to this space on the corner. In fact, it's a big part of the reason why I bought Jules. I have always felt very at home here on the corner of St. Germain and 10th. This is a place I feel at home too, even though I don't own it. Jules is one of my happy places. So let's get into you being connected to this place on the corner. How did you go about acquiring Jules Bistro? Before I owned Jules Bistro, I owned an ad agency. It was a little boutique agency. I had one employee. I worked with small businesses in central Minnesota, but also some towards the cities. And Jules was the place where I would come to get out of my house. It was the place where I would meet my clients. Um, my husband also worked at home at that time. And, you know, no matter how much you love someone, you need a break sometimes. <laughs> and Jules was the place where I would come. It felt like community to me here. 
I loved the artwork that was on the walls. That was a tradition that Julie started long before I bought jewels, and I just felt at home here. It is just such a homey vibe. So you came here to get away. Yep. How'd you go about being the owner of this sure. place? <laughs> so I was a regular here for almost 10 years. I was in here three times a week. My favorite panini was the turkey pesto, and I ate it three times a week for 10 years. <laughs> you can do the math on that. And I would tease Julie about letting me help her with her marketing. And I really wanted to redesign her logo. And we would joke about it when I was in here. And she'd always laugh at me and say that she didn't do marketing. And then one day I was in here meeting with a client and she said, hey, I think I might need to hire you. And I got really excited because I thought she was going to have me redesign her logo. But after my client left, she said, I want to sell my bistro and I want to do it quietly. Will you help me figure out how to do that? And inside, I was thinking, I have no idea how to do that. That's not what I do. But on the outside, I smiled at her and I said, give me a few days to come up with some ideas and I'll be back. And I left, got in my car, drove home, which is about a seven minute drive, walked up the stairs, looked at my husband and said, Julie's selling the bistro and I'm going to buy it. And he laughed at me and then he looked at my face and he said, oh, crap, <laughs> you're serious. And I said, yeah, I'm serious. And he said, please don't do this. It's so hard. Hospitality is so hard. Please don't do this. And I said, no, I feel like this is the next thing that I'm supposed to do. And he looked at me. He's an engineer. So we use different sides of our brain. He looked at me and he said, you feel like this is the next thing you're supposed to do. We don't make decisions based on feelings, Danella. Th that was his response. That's the most engineer response anyone could make. <laughs> right? So then he made me promise that I would talk to a good friend of ours who's a financial consultant. And I think he was 90% positive that Andy would say, this is not a good idea. Don't do this. Now, keep in mind, I sat at my counter most days in my pajamas and worked and made a pretty decent hourly rate doing marketing. So um, anyway, I reached out to Andy. He talked with me about it. We met with Julie. He reviewed the book work and he said, I really do think this is a good fit for you. I do think you should do it. And now he and Brian are not friends. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, Brian was resistant in the beginning. Um, he was not wrong. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. He was absolutely right about that. Uh, but by year, by the end of year one, he was on board fully. And he supported me that entire first year, even though he wasn't extremely happy about the decision. Because you still did a little bit of marketing in those first couple years, didn't you? I did. I had this really romantic notion that I was going to continue that business and that I would continue to meet my clients here and I would have two businesses instead of one, which doesn't really work with a restaurant. I made it about a year and a half and then I... Uh, realized that there wasn't enough hours in the day for me to do both and that I really wanted to do one well instead of two sort of well. So made the decision at that point to sunset my creative business, which is one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make because I really, really loved it and I loved my clients. And it's hard when it's a passion like that because you are so connected to it on 
a deeper side than just the business side because yeah, you can run a business. You're like, yeah, clients, great. You form some connections. But when it's literally your creativity and you're putting your soul into these things, it is so hard to take a step back and walk away from that. Yeah, it really, really was. I grieved it like like a death, like a loss. I don't regret it. It was the absolute right decision for me to make, especially given the growth that we've experienced at Jules. Uh, but I, I kept my domain. I kept my logo. I've had lots of chances to sell the domain for sure, and I'm holding on to it. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it'll come around again and maybe it won't. But yeah, I loved it. And I love Jules every bit as much, if not more so. So what year was it that you became the owner of Jules? So I bought Jules and I say I, it was really we. I couldn't have done it without my husband, but he didn't really embrace ownership until year two. So it would have been April of 2017. Okay. So it's been six years. We're celebrating six years this year. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it is. It simultaneously feels like the blink of an eye and like eternity. I have packed so much into those six years and met so many amazing people in those six years. And some of them are still with me. My kitchen manager, Ryan, has been with me since the very beginning. Leisha is one of the cooks in my kitchen, and she has been with me since the beginning. Lost a lot of people during the pandemic, people who just decided to pick up and move to the other side of the country, which, you know, you sit at home and reevaluate your life and think about what you want and can't blame them for that. Grieved, really grieved because I lost most of my team during the pandemic, but I've brought on such amazingly talented humans and I'm so grateful that I've gotten the opportunity to work with this whole new crowd of uh, talented professionals. Some of the most amazing people that I have ever worked with in my entire life work here at Jules. This place attracts a certain type of person and it is a wonderful talented go-getter type of person because you're the one at the helm of this ship and you are that person and I'm a firm believer that you get back from the universe what you put into it so it makes sense that you have a super talented and awesome team because you're super talented and awesome that's really kind of you to say and I I know that I've said that very same thing to other people it's a lot harder to accept that like it's it's hard for me to accept that when people will say to me, you know, you're amazing. What you've done is incredible. I, I struggle because I couldn't have done any of this if it weren't for the people who worked here. It's impossible to do anything alone. And the growth, I mean, we do about six times the revenue that we did when I purchased Jules. And that kind of growth in six years is impossible if it's dependent on one person. So I think if nothing else, that kind of growth represents how diverse and how talented my team is that we've been able to do that in the time frame. I really just believe that you don't do anything on your own in this life. And I think I get a lot of attention, but my team really deserves the bulk of it. And I try to bring them out and force them in front of people as much <laughs> as possible because I just feel so lucky to work with them. And I want other people to to meet them and to know them and to recognize that they are truly brilliant professionals. 
It's awesome when I come here for lunch and I meet my friend Kelly, who does your radio ads for WJON right now. We'll meet up here and have lunch and... She knows every single person here on staff by name and like what they're into and what they've been up to lately. And like, I just love coming to lunch with her here because I get all of the good gossip. <laughs> yeah, I love Kelly, too. It doesn't even feel like we're doing radio spots. Most no. of the time I feel like I'm catching up with with a friend or somebody who loves Jules who wants to know what's going on. So, yeah, we really appreciate that relationship with her. And that's how my team is. I mean, it's a little bit like Cheers here. They remember the regulars. And, and this team more than ever is so focused on kindness and service. Uh, it's, it's really beautiful to watch. It's really beautiful to see. And when I go upstairs in the middle of a rush and they're all so calm and they're smiling, I am in awe because I do not handle stress that way. <laughs> I have worked every position in the bistro. So when I bought Jules, I had no hospitality experience at all. And it was really important to me that I learn all of the jobs so that I could better understand staff when they had questions or challenges. I could be a better support to them. So... I spent the first two years learning how to cook in the kitchen. I cooked right beside Ryan. I served. And I will tell you, I'm not good at either one of those <laughs> things. I mean, I can do it. That's the sign of a good leader admitting that you're not a rock star at everything. Man, cooking the line is stressful. Like, it's really hard to remember that you're not doing brain surgery and that it's not life and death when you have 14 tickets up and you are just feeling the pressure to get food out and get it out beautifully it's stressful mm -hmm. really stressful one of my favorite stories I love to tell this story early on and it was like year two um, there was a show at the Paramount and I was cooking the line with D um, one of our cooks here and he's a seasoned professional he's been doing this forever and I had many months underneath my belt at that time, but still really struggling with the stress of it all. And we had it, like 15 tickets up on the line and I started to cry. I started to cry and I stepped back from the line and I said, I have no idea why you people choose this for a career. This is the worst thing I have ever done in my life. And I'll never forget, Dee just started to chuckle underneath his breath and he quietly said, I need you to pull yourself together and get back over here because we have tickets to finish. And uh, I did. I s sniffed and dried my eyes, washed my hands, got back on the line. And the next day he came in uh, with a chef's hat for me because he said that I'd earned it. Oh, yeah, it was it's that is really, so really great. Sweet. Yes. And uh, yeah, that those are the best moments that I've had here at my time um, with Jules, just getting to know the people, earning their trust and their respect, and just being able to see hospitality from this side. I know so much more than I knew when I was a guest. And when people say that everyone should have to work as a server or in the hospitality industry for a time in their life, it's really, really true. Mm -hmm. You just, you learn so much about stress and compassion and human nature and people and what it means to serve other people and what an honor that is and what a challenge it can be sometimes too. Right. It, it really tests your patience 
at every single step of the way. And if you can get through it, it makes you a stronger person. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely does. And I think one of the most shocking things for me is, you know, I think I blissfully thought that we all see things exactly the same. And I've learned in these last six years that everyone's opinions differ. I can walk to the front of the restaurant and have someone tell me, that the bowl of chili they're eating is the most incredible thing they've ever eaten in their life. And then I can walk to the back of the bistro and have someone tell me about the very same chili that is not fit for human consumption and why are we serving it? I have a hard time believing anything here because no, getting that ha- review. That has actually happened to me Are before. you kidding? No, I'm not. Which just goes to, to show how diverse people's preferences are. They really are. It's very true. Palettes differ wildly. Yes. And I mean, I think the way that we get around that is we offer up what we feel is our best. And if someone doesn't care for it, then we offer them the opportunity to switch it out for something else. We're pretty creative here. And that doesn't always resonate with everyone. So we applaud them for giving it a try. And then we find them something safer. (laughs) (laughs) That is something you got to do cater to kind of the Midwestern central Minnesota palette of, oh, gosh, this isn't a cheeseburger basket. What do I do now? (laughs) Yeah, but there there are so many people in this community, too, that just really love what we do and love that it's surprising and delightfully different and unexpected. And that's really the goal behind everything we do. In fact, my staff are so tired of asking me, how how are we going to make this delightfully different that they come into the office and they say, I want to do this and here's how it's delightfully different. So that really is the mission behind everything that we do here. And that is a great way to put this entire place. It's delightfully different. Whenever I have a guest from out of town visiting me, they'll say, oh yeah, let's go get dinner somewhere. Let's go get lunch somewhere. Where should we go? I'm like... Jules Bistro. I'm not even giving you a second option. Like that is where we're going and we are going to love it and you are going to want to come back. Aw, Abby, thanks so much. And it's so true. And I have so many friends that have food allergies like I do. So I was diagnosed with a dairy allergy at the age of 25. Like suddenly my frontal lobe developed and all of a sudden I can't enjoy cheese anymore. It sends me into anaphylactic shock. (laughs) But the nice thing about Jules is I know I can come here And it's a safe space to eat. I know I have options on your menu, which most time I can go places and I'll have like maybe one or two things I can have. Here I can flip through the pages. I can be willy-nilly about what I'm going to order. It's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. That is a huge priority for us. We're not a gluten-free restaurant. We're not a vegan restaurant. Um, But we really want to offer things on our menu that make it possible for people from all walks of life with all sorts of food preferences and food challenges to come together, sit at a table and all enjoy a really great meal. My friend who I think we you we were having lunch when you walked past us back in June. They were visiting before they went back down to Arizona. She has a nut allergy, tree nuts, and then she's also dairy. So we both kind of feed off of each other like, what are you going to order? What are you going to order? She ate here and she's like, where has this place been my whole life? Uh-huh. And they were only in town for a couple of days, but they eat here twice during that time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And we had a wedding that we were attending at the Kelly Inn just down the road. And neither of us knew what the food was at the wedding. And we're like, well, if push comes to shove, we can't eat anything. We'll just run to Jules quick and come back. <laughs> so we had a whole backup plan involving Jules. It was awesome. I love that. I, 
um, that's a responsibility that we take very seriously. And I'm so proud that I have a team of people who really get it and who really care and who are so intentional um, in, in the steps and the movements and the choices they make in the kitchen. Like if they touch a gluten-free pizza with gloves on and they touch something else, they're the first ones to say, I, I just touched this pizza. You're going to have to talk to a guest and let them know it's going to be a little bit longer because we need to rework a pizza. And, and I, I love that from day one. Um, I am human, um, impossibly flawed. I make mistakes every day. And from day one, I have told my team, I don't expect you to be perfect. I just expect you to own your mistakes and then work like hell to make it up to your teammate, to your guest, to whoever it is. It isn't the mistake that matters. It's how we fix it that really, truly matters. Exactly. That's the, that's what's going to leave a lasting impact on whether that's the back of the house staff or the customer sitting out front. Yeah. Um, and it all comes down to trust, right? Like trust between you, the guest and us, the business, but also trust um, amongst teammates and trust uh, between my team and me. Uh, that's another thing I've, I've told them always is I will have your back 100% of the time, but you have to own your mistakes and you have to tell me about them when you make them so that I know how to respond. If I can respond with honesty and fix the things that we screw up on, then I will defend you when you are unjustly accused of something. Like, I will be there for you. And I take that really seriously they are here for me and I am here for them. We have just a really beautiful team culture. I love them like children. I have two children and most of them, quite a few of them are the same age as me, but I, <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I can't say enough. I could talk about them all day long. They're so incredibly talented, each in their own way. That's amazing. So let's talk a little bit about the different events that Jules is a part of throughout the year, because you guys seem to always be doing something for the betterment of the community, which I think is really cool. So can you touch on a couple of things that you do? Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up in the middle of North Dakota to two Midwestern parents who are very pragmatic and who believed in community and service to other people. So that's a concept that's really deeply ingrained in me. My husband is always reminding me that it's not a business if we don't make money. <laughs> Again, that engineer. <laughs> yes. Um, but I just like intentionality and meaning so much means so much to me. Like I want meaning to be infused in everything that we do. And so we do some really cool things. Every December, we participate in Operation Baby New Year, which is a diaper drive to collect diapers for central Minnesota families in need. And this place is stacked to the ceiling with diapers by the end of December, which is incredibly heartwarming. And then in March, we do something in partnership with Anna Marie's Alliance. We call it Lift Up the Ladies. And we collect brand new bras for the women at Anna Marie shelter the entire month long. We have so many small business sponsors that provide funds to pay for the food and the beverage. And so 
We have like five happy hours that month. And when you bring a brand new bra to donate, you get to eat and drink for free. And the energy and the happiness and the conversation and the goodwill is overwhelming. Sometimes I just stand in the back of the room and and cry because it's such a great space to be in. Especially that time of year too, because that's a feeling that's that I personally associate with Christmas. So to be doing that in March when we're all just down in the dumps because winter will never end. Like what a warm, fuzzy feeling to help propel us towards spring. Yeah. And it's national women's history month. Like we did that on purpose, but what a great way to celebrate women Mm -hmm. and to, um, and to acknowledge the power of a simple undergarment. I mean, it has the ability to give you confidence, to make you feel secure, to make you feel beautiful. And, uh, it might seem silly and insignificant to some people, but it is, it's so necessary. And to be able to extend that to another woman in need is, is incredible. And I think I've used the word incredible like 7,000 times today, but do you know what the best part is, Abby? I've figured out, we've figured out as a team that if you invite people to do good, and you give them a really simple, clear way to do it, they show up every single time. They show up. The beauty in the whole equation is the people who come with the bras, the people who come with the diapers, the people who come and buy Kindness Cake, uh, which is another campaign that we do every month. People show up. All you have to do is ask. It's, it's amazing. They just need an invite to the do-good party, and you guys extend that invite time and time again. It's kind of a natural rush, honestly. It's so amazing to be around it. I think some of the coolest people in St. Cloud hang out here at Jules. It's like, sometimes it feels like a little club. (laughs) It's a club that I am happy to hang out at over and over. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, the people on my team, um, hospitality workers, employees, professionals, I call them professionals. They... It's hard sometimes, especially when you're depending on gratuity as part of your compensation. And that's the way the system is set up. Um, And one of the most rewarding things for me is when I see my team not just participating by making the food or doing the things. But when I see a member of my team walk in with a box of diapers to add to the stack, it's, it's all that I could ever want and more to have people who will invite other people to do good, but who will also participate in that good and who sometimes are the recipients of that good too. It's just full circle. It's the most beautiful thing. Well, and it's just another full circle moment of you putting out into the world good vibes and getting good vibes back in the form of your customers and employees around here. You just got a great space. Uh, it's, it's all, it's all cyclical, Abby. I get from it too. So, um, I'm, I feel very blessed to be in the middle of it all and to be a giver and a taker and to, yeah, to just be surrounded by really amazing people in this community and on my team. So we're to the point where I like to ask people kind of what their vision is for the future of the businesses that they run, of the projects that they do. So we're in year six of you owning jewels now. What do you kind of see for the next two, three, five years? 
Yeah, year six, but a solid three of those were situated right in the heart of the pandemic, you know? I know. Worst pandemic ever. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. And, you know, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is we did all right in 2020. We did okay in 2021. It was 2022 that was the hardest year of all because our leadership team all moved to other parts of the country Uh, It was impossible to find staff. We're all still struggling to find um, capable people or people who want to be trained in this industry. And um, yeah, so 2022 was a rough year for us and we're fighting like heck to dig out from that and being pretty creative about it. So we have the liquor service contract down at the Rivers Edge Convention Center. So whenever anyone has an event there and would like alcohol to be part of that event, we do that. Um, We started out at the airport last year. I heard about that. That's exciting. It, It really is. It really is. It started off a little slow. It was a new venue for us, a new kind of customer. Um, we, we, I, speaking of amazing people, my, one of my catering managers, uh, Casey is responsible for the airport and she loves to travel. So her mission, those first few months was just to watch everything and figure out what we needed to do to be successful out there. So what are you kind of doing out there? Is it like, yeah, short so, order. Are you freezing things and bringing them out there? What What are you doing? So there is a small kitchen out there, um, not high volume. So we decided to try prepackaged food that we make here at Jules, and we were selling it from the kitchen, which is in front of the secure area, and really struggling because people were coming in the door. They wanted to get in line, get checked in, get through security. So they could sit down in a seat and take a deep breath. Good old fashioned airport anxiety. (laughs) And know that they were getting on the plane. So a few months in, Casey came to me and she said, Danella, we need to get to the secure side. We need to be on the other side. So we worked with Bill. We worked with the health department um, at the city to do a trial run in the secure area. And it was night and day difference. It was amazing. So that was a huge success. We did that for about six weeks before the end of the flying season. So this year we know we're going to start on that side. We also invited the inspector from alcohol and gambling to come down and look at the space with us. And we wanted to know what we would need to do to get um, the ability to serve alcohol uh, on that side as well. And so liquor law requires compact and contiguous service, it's called. And so he told us, you'll need special legislation if you want to be able to serve beer and wine from that secure area. So I called Senator Putnam and I said, hey, can you help us with this? And he said, you know, I'm definitely willing to take a stab at it, but it probably won't be till next year. And I said, "Okay, I'm grateful for your help. That's such a bummer because we'll be out a whole nother year of service. Um, But let me know what I need to do and I'm thanks for taking my call. So uh, about a week later, he called me back and he said, I've been talking to my colleagues in the Senate and we think we might be able to get something in the omnibus bill. I'm going to have someone call you and talk through exactly what it is that needs to happen. So he authored language in the Senate that got approved. And then when it moved over to the House, he reached out to Bernie Perryman and Dan Wogamont and asked them 
to work on it in the House side. It got approved and moved forward to the governor for signature, which means that we can apply for a liquor license out there this year and serve beer and wine from the secure area as well. So we're super excited about it. Okay, big old high five on that one because that is amazing. It was amazing and it took everybody. It took Bill, the director out at the airport and Eric and Bernie and Dan. Man, I, you know, you don't know unless you ask. I never would have imagined that that could happen that quickly and that everyone would be so excited to try to help make it happen. That's so, amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. We're really, really looking forward to the flying season this year, which will start in October. Okay, that starts October already. Yeah. And then it goes to like March-ish, right? Goes till May. May? Actually, Ooh, okay. March and April are really busy months out at the airport. It's such a beautiful facility. I don't know if you've been out there, but it's... I haven't. I wanted to fly out of there. We're heading to Arizona in February, and I'm like, let's fly out of St. Cloud. That'll be so much easier. Well, the week that we're going down there, there's no flights. Okay. And we're going for a very specific golf tournament. So like sure. we, we're at the mercy of the golf tournament. But yeah, it's gorgeous, clean and bright. And all of the staff out there are so friendly and helpful. It's we really love that partnership. And Burnix is a big part of that partnership, too. Um, they have been a source of unending advice and strategy in terms of how to make things work out there. And, uh, we, yeah, we're, we're just really fortunate to have such amazing businesses in this community. You know, Burnix is like this, it feels like a huge company to me. We have 33 employees here at Jules. And from the very beginning that we worked with them, even back when we were so much smaller, we're a very small fish in a big pond and they have always made us feel like we're their number one customer. So that's, that's awesome. There's definitely something to be said for that. Yeah. And so many really cool entrepreneurs in this town. Um, We get all of our bread from the backwards bread company. They are amazing and it's been fun to, to be on this journey with them. Their business is also growing um, exponentially in the last few years. So that's been a treat. And we get all of our dairy from Stony Creek Dairy in uh, Melrose. And we've been getting dairy from them since the very beginning. And Spice of Life right down the street is where all of our tea comes from. So it, it kind of has a small town vibe to it, St. Cloud, for us. It felt like such a big city when I first moved here from North Dakota. I actually had a panic attack in the cash wise. Oh no. <laughs> Which <down>. one? <laughs> the one in Wade Park. Oh no, that's the big one. <laughs> yeah, it it is big. And when I first moved here from Grand Forks, I sound like a country bumpkin now, which I mean, you can take the girl out of North Dakota, but you can't really take <laughs> the North Dakota out of the girl. I sat down in the middle of the aisle, had a panic attack. And then walked out the front doors. I just left my cart. I was such a mess. So it's uh, it's interesting to go from that uh, in 1990. That would have been 1999 to where we are now in 2023. And it feels like St. Cloud is, is a small town, a community town to me. It definitely is. And it's cool that you use different corners of the community to help create the amazing products here at Jules. Well, I'm, I mean... When there's excellence all around you, it's really important to support that because you want more of that. Exactly. You turn out a quality product around here. I've said it before and I'll say it again. (laughs) 
I can't tell you how many times we, we get a lot of people from the interstate who will drive off interstate and come to Jules. And I can't tell you how many times people tell us that they love this place. And I just had a young couple in here from New York a couple of weeks ago, and they have family in town. And they come here to eat every time they're in town. And every time they're here, my staff tell me they're here and I go up to talk to them and they ask me every single time, will you start a Jules Bistro in New York? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I I have too many gray hairs. I don't think we'll be starting another Jules Bistro. Can you imagine the, the panic attacks in Times Square? <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, su- it's such a cool thing to to be able to meet all of those people too. I was at the crosswalk one day and there was a whole family behind me and I turned around and they had to go containers and I'm, you know, weirdly awkward because I'm an introvert and I'm from North Dakota. And so I said, um, thanks for coming in. And I'm sure they were thinking like, who are you? And then she saw the front of my shirt and she saw Jules Bistro and she said, do you own it? And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, we're from Massachusetts and we come back here to see our family. And every time we come back, we make a stop at Jules. So that's that's really cool to to be loved here in the space where we are, but to also have people who come from outside because they love us, too. Yeah, you're a local favorite and you're a destination place. It's awesome. It's the best of both worlds. It's great for us, too. We get to meet so many cool people. It, it really is so much fun to be in the dining room and hear people's stories. This place is just absolutely amazing. You know how much I love it. And I'm so happy that you invited me into your basement to help tell the story of it today because I think it needs to be screamed from the rooftops. Ah, thanks, Savvy. I'm glad you're here. Not a lot of people get to come down to the basement of Jules, so you're getting like an insider view. I remember when you guys remodeled it down here and you added the kitchen. Oh my gosh, I felt so special when I got to come down here and look at it. <laughs> yeah, it's really incredible when you see the before pictures and the after pictures. I mean, when we bought Jules, we had 12 to 15 independent fridges and freezers down here. And every time a truck would come, we would have to pull everything out of those fridges and freezers, put the new stuff in the back and the older stuff on top. It was so much work. So when we remodeled in 2020, we added the bakery kitchen down here and then we put in walk-in cooler, walk-in freezer. And, And that's the beauty of having employees that have been here since the beginning because one of my favorite things is to be in the kitchen and... There'll be a newer cook who's grumbling about something and Ryan will just quietly speak up and he'll say something like, if you think that's bad, you should have been here five years ago when all we had were two panini presses, two hot plates and a 12 year old oven. (laughs) That's the equivalent of when I was your age, I walked to school uphill both ways. (laughs) It is. And it's it's so great because it keeps us all grounded, remembering where we came from. And yeah, yes. Well, I love the story of Jules up to this point, and I'm sure I'll have you back on in the future because you guys are always doing something, innovating, changing. Thank you, Abby. Yeah, we, it's, it really is like creativity really is part of our culture. That's been my mission from day one to create a safe space for people to take risks with food and to fail occasionally. And sometimes we do, but we don't punish it because they're really, really great, truly great creativity that makes it to the menu. 
is the result of multiple failures in on the way, you know? Yeah, not perfect things don't happen on the first try. And if Rarely. they do, you might need to check what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, truth. So where can people find Jules online? Uh, we are at julesbistrostcloud.com. Soon to be at julesbistro.com. I managed to snag that URL, so I'm pretty excited about that. And we're downtown St. Cloud right next to our friends at the Paramount, which is also another beautiful relationship, right on the corner of 10th and West St. Germain. And uh, one last question. If someone's going to come here for the first time, what should they order off the menu? Oh, that's so hard for me. That's a layered question. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I could give you one thing from every section of the menu, but I did eat the turkey pesto panini for 10 years, three times a week. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. When I bought Jules, I remember one of my early conversations with Julie when she was talking about the menu and I said that I hadn't tried something and she said, you haven't tried that? And I said, no, I've eaten a turkey pesto sandwich every single time I've been here since the very beginning so it's still on the menu and it's still one of my favorites can't mess with the classic you can't (laughs) (laughs) thank you Danella thanks for having me thank you so much for checking out another episode of the small town tourist podcast our theme song is queen of our hometown by Rachel McIntyre Smith you can stream her wherever you listen to music and be sure to follow her on social media as well at Rachel McIntyre Smith and check out her website rachelmcintyresmith.com if you're looking for more content from the small town tourist you can follow me on social media at the small town tourist and check out the blog as well the small town tourist.com